Episode 11 Trouble Church Brown Part 2 In late 1581, Brown's congregation, now known as the Brownists, was forced to move to Middlebury in Zealand. Brown, from his London prison, wrote to them, opposing the emigration of the congregation, choosing to remain in England after his release. Middlebury, a medieval walled city in Zealand province in southwest Holland, provided a haven for fleeing Puritans. Protestants seeking refuge from religious persecution in Europe had settled there and been allowed to practice their faith freely in this sanctuary for centuries. The town had a convenient sea route to and from England, thanks to its strategic location just eight kilometers away from its main trading port of Flushing. It often garrisoned English soldiers during the Eighty Years' European War. At this time, the English traders and their families had established a powerful presence in the region while working for the Dutch East India Company. Harrison and his congregation purposefully selected Middlebury as their destination, being aware that Cartwright had already founded a Puritan congregation in Zealand. Initially, it seemed that Robert Harrison's congregation would align themselves with the established and well-known Puritan colony at Middlebury, where Cartwright served as its minister. However, in July 1581, shortly before the Brownists arrived, Cartwright had transferred to Antwerp succeeding Walter Travers as chaplain to the Merchant Adventurers Company. Harrison wrote a temperate, if not wholly convincing letter to Cartwright, inviting him to return and join them in Middlebury, to which Cartwright did not reply. Harrison, sensing the potential impact of Brown's influence, soon retracted the invitation. In the meantime, back in England, several Puritan factions began to voice their disapproval regarding the Brownists' decision to leave for Zealand. They perceived their departure was a betrayal of the true church and showed disrespect towards their sovereign Queen Elizabeth. The Brownists, on the other hand, argued that their migration was necessary due to their persecution and imprisonment, insisting that it was their persecutors not themselves who had abandoned the true church. In early 1582, despite initially wanting to stay in England, Brown experienced a change of heart and decided to reunite with Harrison and their congregation in Middlebury. On his arrival, both men agreed to create a church there, based on what they conceived to be the New Testament model. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be long before the friendship and collaboration between Harrison and Brown began to show the strain. Robert Brown was an extremely unpredictable individual, and soon, disagreements with the congregation and quarrels between the two men would cause the church to split. Later, in 1583, Brown would publish an account of his time in the church at Middlebury, in his book, The True and Short Declaration. Harrison and most of the congregation had become estranged from their pastor, and when Brown became ill, they made secret plans against him. The Zealand group elected Harrison as their leader, as he best reflected their deeply held religious beliefs, voting Brown out from his own congregation. In private, Brown confronted Harrison and warned him that he had evidence against him that he could reveal if he wished to speak up. Brown called church meetings, where his congregation could freely accuse him of any wrongdoing. The congregation accused him of being an unlawful pastor, with some petty comments about him being born into privilege. 
Brown resigned but was brought back again, and, in an open meeting, each one confessed his fault. Robert Brown's church condemned him repeatedly, there were whisperings and murmurings, and he was accused of many and various heresies. As a result of this division, Harrison decided to stay in Middleburgh, while Brown and a portion of the community began the search for a new settlement location. During the two years he spent in Zealand, Brown issued three treatises as an exposition of his views. These works were released separately in Middleburgh, with the generous backing of Robert Harrison, before eventually being compiled into a comprehensive edition several years later. They were, one, a treatise of reformation without tarrying for any. In this small tract, he puts forward his concept of the separation of church and state. Brown's purpose in writing the book was fourfold. To counter the many allegations made against the Brownists. To clarify the role of church and state. To urge the immediate reformation of the church. To condemn those preachers who evade their responsibility for reform, pleading dependence on the secular authority. 2. A Treatise Upon Matthew 23. This is perhaps Brown's most thought-provoking work. Outwardly, it discusses how to handle the scriptures in preaching, criticizing contemporary preaching and comparing it to that of the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 23 verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith, these ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. However, it is much more than just a criticism of today's preaching. It urgently calls for the type of preaching demonstrated by Jesus, who spoke with unwavering authority. According to Brown, church preaching is wrongly motivated and lacks vigor. When the Cambridge graduates stand in the pulpits, resplendent in their scarlet gowns and hoods, their pride shines forth, preaching only to display their learning, seeking preferment. 3 a book which sheweth the life and manners of all true Christians. In this, Brown sets out his theory of congregational independence. The treatises were published both individually and later in combination. When they arrived in England in June 1583, Queen Elizabeth issued a stern proclamation, expressing her disdain towards them. As a result, in the same month, Elias Thacker and John Coppin were hanged at Bury St. Edmunds for distributing them. As early as 1576, Coppin had refused to have his child baptized by an unpreaching minister, and had also declined to have godfathers and godmothers. But the offense, through which they became the first martyrs of Congregationalism, was that they had been sellers and promoters of Brown's pamphlets. Cartwright had already read these publications during his time in Antwerp and vehemently disagreed with their contents implying there would be little or no interaction between the two individuals in Middleburgh. Cartwright was against the idea of separatism and instead, like many other Puritans, believed that the Church of England needed to undergo internal reform. After making unsuccessful attempts to reform the English Church, Brown's focus now shifted towards the stronghold of Presbyterianism in its mighty Scottish citadel, Edinburgh. In 1584, he left Middleburgh, severing his ties with the church. Accompanied by a small group of loyal followers, he set sail for Scotland. Carrying a letter from Andrew Melville, he travelled from Dundee to St Andrews and then proceeded to Edinburgh. 
he aimed to set up his base in Canongate, a borough located just outside the city walls near Holyrood Abbey. The borough, or town, derived its name from the pathway that the canons of Holyrood Abbey used to travel to Edinburgh. Brown's primary focus was on the Church of John Knox, as he believed it lacked proper discipline. On 21 January 1584, he argued that the entire system of governance in Scotland was flawed, and made an appeal for change to the authorities. Regrettably, Brown had miscalculated the circumstances, and Presbyterianism was in no mood for his reform. While Scottish Presbyterians may have agreed with him theologically, they did not agree with his views on church organisation. The city church authorities summoned Brown to clarify his religious writings, initially placing him under house arrest before eventually transferring him to the common jail. They also forwarded a report detailing his heretical beliefs to the king. The local civil authorities, who were not favourable towards the church, released Brown, otherwise Brown could have stayed in custody for some time. After being released, he departed from Edinburgh and embarked on a journey across Scotland actively searching for individuals to convert to his cause. However, Calvinist Scotland was not receptive to his new religious message. Brown graced a few more Scottish jails and prisons during his travels there. Despair, jail time and growing poor health probably drew Brown back to England. Later, he would express a rather negative view of Scotland suggesting that the position of presbyter could easily substitute for that of a pope or an overbearing church figure. The poet Milton may have been influenced by his remarks when he wrote, New Presbyter, is but old priest, writ large. In his poem, Milton condemns the hypocritical clergy, and advocates for religious freedom. When Brown returned to England, he had once again to face the consequences of his actions. Brown finally returned during the summer of 1584, staying in the family halls of Tolethorpe and Lilford, where he resumed writing and publishing books. For this he was arrested, but released with the help of his Elms relatives at nearby Lilford Hall and the politically connected Baron Burley. In 1585, Brown appears to have exhausted himself, becoming sick in body and mind. The Bishop of London and the Archbishop of Canterbury moved to further arrest Brown being concerning with the unlawful distribution of his writings, specifically referring to the Proclamation of 1583. The Bishop of London, an Archbishop of Canterbury decided to take further action against Brown regarding the illegal dissemination of his writings, committing him to prison. They specifically referred to the Proclamation of 1583, banning seditious and schismatical books and libelous materials. In 1586, Brown's well-being gradually returned, and due to insufficient evidence the church authorities transferred him from prison, back to the Lilford family residence. By early spring of 1586, he had recovered enough to begin to preach without license again. Bishop Howard of Peterborough brought him up on charges of illegal preaching and writings. He ignored the summons, refusing to appear in court, which resulted in his excommunication. Robert Brown now faced a pivotal choice, either conform to the Church of England or face ongoing persecution and imprisonment. By choosing the latter, he would undoubtedly be committing his long-suffering wife and their six children to a life of penury and likely homelessness. The excommunication may have triggered his change of attitude, leading him to seek the bishop's absolution in 1586.
Brown's freedom in England may have mattered more to him than half-heartedly recanting his theological principles to the church authorities, although the real reasons for his actions remain uncertain. To the absolute dismay of his followers, he chose conformity, agreeing to follow the church's rules, attend his local parish regularly, and publicly recant his previous beliefs and writings. With the likely help of his relative Lord Burley, Brown was finally reconciled with the Church of England. In 1586, after retracting his previous beliefs, Brown was chosen to become the headmaster of St. Olaf's Grammar School in Southwark. He returned to his former position and school, but indications of potential regression have surfaced. For example, a Brownist conventicle was discovered near Southwark in October 1587, with its pastor and members arrested. The congregation included former members of Brown's Middleburgh congregation. Its leader, the Reverend John Greenwood, was associated with Henry Barrow and the Barrowist movement, so Brown is not directly linked to this particular congregation. Robert Brown was only an active separatist from 1579 to 1585, after which he returned to the Church of England. He continued to engage in disputes and debates with those still holding to their initial separatist positions, who now regarded him as a renegade. In particular, he replied several times to criticism from John Greenwood and Henry Barrow. One of Brown's replies, a reproof of certain schismatical persons and their doctrine, dated from 1587 to 1588, helps to shed some light on the development of his later views. However, London was still a centre for various separatist congregations, to which Brown would naturally gravitate. And so, in the circumstances, Lord Burley thought it's best to get him out of London. Brown was appointed headmaster of Stamford Grammar School from 1588 to 1591, and it was during this time that he underwent a significant transition from a rebel to accepting conformity. After St. Olaf's, Brown was offered the benefice of the parish church of A. Church, Cum Thorpe, by his cousin Thomas Elms of Lilford. He served this position intermittently from September 1591 until 1633. A. Church, Cum Thorpe, is next to Lilford in Northamptonshire, where Brown's cousin Elms lived. Thomas Elms had assisted Brown in resolving legal issues multiple times, as Brown would be imprisoned a total of 32 times throughout his life. A widower for a while, Brown had remarried by this point. During his term as rector at A Church, Brown had several gaps in his service, the longest being from 1615 to 1626. During this period, he resumed some of his previous dissident habits and stayed with his Elms relatives at Lilford Hall, where he carried out various duties at Lilford Church. Brown resumed his duties as rector at A Church in 1626. There are indications that he may have continued to express nonconformist views at the chapel in nearby Thorpe Waterville, from 1618 until his death. In 1632, Thomas Elms, his cousin and benefactor, died, and Brown then seems to have fallen on hard financial times in the last couple of years of his life, living and preaching at the chapel until his final arrest in 1633. In 1633, Brown became involved in an argument with the constable of the Lilford estate, who just happened to be his godson. The dispute centered on an issue of late payments, their disagreement quickly escalating into a physical altercation, with Brown striking the constable. 
Brown was arrested for the alleged assault and taken into temporary custody. However, due to his disrespectful conduct towards the judge during his hearing, he was ordered to be immediately sent to prison. Arrested at the age of around 83, he seems to have accepted imprisonment. At the time of Charles I, it is evident that the Church of England, and possibly the Diocese of Peterborough specifically, was not welcoming to someone with Brown's perspective. This time, imprisonment was to prove fatal for Trouble Church Brown, in 1633 he died in Northampton Jail, aged 83. Robert Brown, a significant figure in the Elizabethan Church, is buried at St. Giles Church Northampton. He founded separatism, which became influential in both Europe and America. The English and American Congregationalists regard him as the originator of their church governance principles. After Brown's compliance in 1587, there was a revival of the Brownist movement in London. This time, it would be led by Henry Barrow and John Greenwood. As a result, both individuals were arrested and placed in custody. While in prison, they secretly wrote numerous books of Brownist theology and engaged in fierce polemic writing against the perceived injustices in society. Their followers covertly transported their works out of prison and later published them in Holland. One of their most significant publications was Barrow's A Brief Discovery of the False Church. In an attempt to curtail the influence of the movement, numerous Brownists were apprehended by the authorities, with a significant number of them tragically dying while in captivity. Johnson, a Puritan clergyman, was tasked with destroying Brownist literature, yet he secretly saved a book for himself, transforming his beliefs. Another wave of Brownism resulted from Archbishop Richard Bancroft's campaign against Puritanism in 1604. In the early 17th century, two individuals named John Robinson and John Smith established religious communities known as Brownist congregations in northern England, later, relocating to Amsterdam in 1608. This marked the pinnacle of the movement, with three significant Brownist churches peacefully coexisting in a single city. Henry Ainsworth played a significant role in co-leading a church in Amsterdam, which later would become known as the Ancient Church. However, a split occurred when Smith broke away from Brownism and established the First Baptist Church. In response to these developments, John Robinson relocated his church to Leiden, while Johnson and Ainsworth had disagreements, eventually forming separate congregations. Johnson's faction decided to migrate to Virginia but only a few members of the congregation survived the journey. On the other hand, Smith joined the Mennonites, while Thomas Helwys led a group of Baptists back to London. Additionally, a small group of Robinson's church members embarked on the Mayflower and sailed to New England. These events highlight the diverse paths taken by these early Protestant communities as they sought to establish their congregations and find religious freedoms in different parts of the world. <laughs>